Okay, we're in, we're in Mark chapter 8. We're going to like finish up Mark chapter 8. We're going to go into, if, you know, God willing, go into chapter 9. For a book that has 16 verses, we're going to turn the corner and start coming down the home stretch. So I'm very excited about that. And I almost think about like Mark in two parts, but that's arguable. You know, it depends just how you view it. Um, so we're in Mark chapter 8. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read where we left off last week, and I'll finish the chapter off. We'll comment on that, and then I'll read the, 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 the section in chapter 9 that's going to be, our, again, our Torah portion here this morning. Um, Mark chapter 8, if you would, give your attention to the, the reading of God's Word. We finished last week in verse 33. So, verse 34... And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray. Father, I realize the sacred ground that we're treading on here, but it's your word and you've given it to us. But I... I know how trite this can sound. I know how just like we can go through the motions here. But this is maybe the most important thing I'll say this year. Maybe the most important thing I'll ever say. And Lord, for you, we just pray your spirit on our hearts to move us in a way that will glorify you. If we're here as only at this point and we don't take these words to heart, well, that, that would just be a tragedy, wouldn't it, Father? I just pray that wouldn't happen here this morning. That we would enter into this and would you, we would have you glorified here this morning. So we pray that you would just lead, guide, direct our, our understanding, our thoughts. More importantly, Lord, direct our will in Jesus' name. Uh, so last week, Peter... Oh, you ain't, you're not going to the cross, Lord. That's far from you. And Jesus rebuked him. I know that voice. It's the same voice who offered me the whole world. All I get to do is bow down and worship him. Get thee behind me, Satan. Was Peter satanically possessed? No. No. But he was saying the words of Satan at that, ver at that point. And Jesus rebuked him. Harsh, you say. Big, big doings. Uh, high stakes, if I can put it that way. Now, when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, and that would include Peter, get thee behind me doesn't mean get out of my band of, you're not part of the posse anymore. You're, you're not a disciple. I'm demoting you. Okay, next up, you're out. What is no, no, because that's, that's not Jesus. You, you make a mistake. And I would know. He just lovingly, he's the good shepherd. He, he shepherds us. He leads us. He guides us. He remembers our frame. He knows that we're dust. And he 
keeps working with us. I've done worse than this, I think. This doesn't exclude Peter from the club. When he called the people unto him and his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Wait a second. Do you understand the magnitude of what he's saying? Because he's going to... I'm not just having a bad hair day here. I'm not just mad because Peter said this. I'm not just flipping out. It's a very measured response, and it's a high calling. Now, people talk to me all the time, you know, like, I, you know, I don't know what God wants for my life. Um, this. He wants you to take up your cross and follow him. No, I mean specifically. Um, specifically this. No, I mean, where does he want me to like go to school or what kind of job does he have for me or who does he want me to marry or, or how does he, what does he want me to do for ministry? This. This is, this is the ground floor. This is the getting in. to Because I know a lot of people who seem to have hold of these things. Seem to say, I, all right, you know, I was praying the other day and the Lord was leading me and he spoke to my heart and he was guiding me in this and he wants me to do this for ministry and he wants me to go here. And, and they, they got it. How did they get that? This, this is foundational. This is, this is, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be like super dramatic so later on people say, oh, he was just being all, you know, emotional and stuff like this. But I, I think this is very, very true. All our decisions we make are emotional decisions. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. But we're not that way. I mean, we're not. We make decisions based on the decisions that matter, that stick for a long time. I can talk to people like, hey, when did it happen? And they'll tell me the story about like, and, we're, and, it, and it's very dramatic. And this happened, and whatever it is, I hope it happens to you this morning. Because again, this is not optional stuff. So what, is it, what does it mean to take up the cross of Jesus Christ and follow him? Well, the cross is an instrument of death. When he said this, I'm sure the disciples wigged out. We have made it jewelry. And by the way, I'm okay with that. People reaching up, grabbing their earrings and putting them into press. No, stop, stop. I'm okay with that. That means to you, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I want everyone to know. No, you you get a tattooed on you. I... No, no, this isn't the judgment zone, okay? But just think about, you know, we get this little cross dangling around on our neck, and it's just an ornament, a bauble. It can, well, it can be. We don't, I mean, you, I've never seen anyone with like an electric chair hanging around the neck, or even a, a hangman's noose. And we don't get like tattoos of a noose, because that would be kind of gruesome. We don't do that. But that's kind of what we're talking about. It's an instrument of an ignominious, horrific, painful, very painful. We get the word excruciating, means out of the cross. It's a, a horrible way to die. Roman citizens weren't crucified. If they had to put a Roman citizen to death, they, they would behead him, like, like Paul the Apostle was, was beheaded. No, the crucifix is just for the worst of the worst, criminals, low types, uh, Jesus Christ. And now he's inviting us to take up our cross and follow him. So you mean we have to get crucified? 
We don't need to do that anymore. In a manner, yes. In a manner, yes. You know, don't try to torture yourself or that's not the point. It's death to self. Deny himself. Whosoever will come after me. Well, we want to come after Jesus Christ. Well, we're all on that. Hey, listen, we're all on team Jesus. Well, I want to follow him. We all want what he, what he has for us. Not just eternal life, but all the good stuff right here, right now. We want to follow Jesus Christ. You've got to deny yourself. It's not a, Now, I don't have to define self. This is the most narcissistic society in the history of ever. And a lot of ever hasn't happened yet. But I can tell you, it can't get more narcissistic than this. Can you imagine trying to explain a selfie to the Apostle Paul? <laughs> What's that contrivance? Oh, it's a selfie stick. And if you, I mean, technology aside, you try to explain to him what... I ain't going to say too much here. I was, I was trying all week long saying, Lord, how am I going to illustrate this? How am I going to say it in a way they understand it? And I think the Lord impressed my heart. No, they already got this. They got self. They understand that. If they understand anything, they understand self. You don't have to illustrate it. Uh, I don't have to define narcissism. I, I mean, we get that. As a church of Jesus Christ... We get that. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm the one who loves you. But, man, it has invaded. It didn't stop at the church doors. It has invaded. Uh, much of culture, and we're always wrestling with this. We're in the culture. The culture's not supposed to be in us. It's okay to have the boat in the water. When the water gets in the boat, that's a travesty. And we always fight this fight. But I almost think, like, let's just... Put up the white flag. We lost. As a church, we lost. I don't mean this particular church, and I'm not judging you as individuals. I'm looking at the whole of society. We just get all our cues, all our marching orders from the world, and we try to be as like them as we can. And this narcissistic behavior is not any different. And Jesus Christ says, death to self. I'll give you an example of this, because this is something I was thinking about early in the week. Uh, I don't know where to start exactly. I'll start in verse 8 of chapter 3. Philippians 3, 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Refuse there. It's what you fertilize your garden with, okay? I count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now the church, outside the church, they don't know that. They think you get to heaven. You're righteous by being a good person. They, they don't know this. This verse is hidden from them, Okay. I'm hoping somebody's tuning in online today and discovers that's not how you get righteous, by doing good things. It's by faith of Christ. And he goes on to say, this is Paul the Apostle, obviously, we know that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. How many of us would like to know him and the power of his resurrection? You're just kind of like, okay, a couple of us. All right, it's good, it's good. We would know him. We would know the power of his resurrection. How would you do that? 
and the fellowship of his sufferings. Welcome, cross. Read here, the cross. The fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. So we have to be crucified? Yes, in a very real way. Crucified to self. And then we would know the power of his resurrection. He goes on to say, if by any means that I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And that is through the cross. There's no resurrection outside the cross. How did Jesus do it? Well, he, he died first, and then he was resurrect, resurrected. How are we going to attain unto the power of his resurrection? Through the cross, the same way he did. Back to Mark chapter 8. If you want to come after me, you're going to have to take up your cross, death to self, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. I don't know if I can find a plane of scripture anywhere. Man, we're so involved in our life. Life is so important. We've got to get everything out of it. We've got to get every last breath. We've got to spend our children and our children's children's inheritance because if we got something, we've got to spend every dollar we have to extend our life for five minutes. It's so important. What? What? Okay, well, I, I, I'm, I'm a reasonable guy. What, what verse are you looking at? Because we'll look at that together. Well, we're pro-life. Uh, I am too. Praise God. Wait, yeah, we're very pro-life. And he has the prerogative to send for us or come and get us anytime he wants. And death is not the end of anything how, do we, how come we don't know that? It's only a change of address. It's all it is. And we cling on to this life like it's everything. And it's so... No, I figured this out early in my life. I don't know. Praise God. Praise Jesus Christ. I don't want to brag about me. I really don't. But I figured early on, we're going to be here for three score and ten. All by reason of strength, four score. Eighty years, right? I'm 62. You can do the math. I'm in the last, I'm, I'm headed home. I'm, doing, I'm in the last 20 years. All things being equal, if I live 20 years, I'll be, I'll be beyond the life expectancy of an average man. I'm not going to be here forever. Neither are you. Figure it out. And we're going to be in eternity for a long time. But we act like this is all there is. Whoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Do you understand you bought with a price? His, his, this is the deal. This is the deal, okay? Lord, you gave me your life. Here's mine. Did you read the fine print? What, 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 what did we enter into a contract where we sold our soul? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good contract. I, wasn't, I, was losing, I was losing it. I was losing it. It was like, oh, I feel like I'm losing it. I was. Well, give it away. You can't con contain it. You can't maintain it anyway. You can't control it. You can't have it. You can't keep it. You weren't designed to. Here's my life, Lord. And then what happened? Good stuff. Good stuff. And they lived happily ever after for a period of time. Good stuff. Here's my life, Lord. Now, I've tried to control it. What happened? Chaos, wickedness, sin, depravity. You want me to draw you a picture? I don't like to talk about it. It's not God honoring. It was 
just sin, just, just wickedness. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. I, it's, not, it's just that plain spoken. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospel, the same shall save. What shall a profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? You get everything. You make a deal with this devil, and people have. I saw, I saw one video, okay? I don't even want, know if I want to name, but someone I cared a lot about growing up musically, and he was talking about the deal he made with the devil for fame. Well, he's famous. Then he's going to die, and he's an old guy now. I mean, if you were singing when I was a little kid, you're old now, right? What did he gain? House in Malibu, a mansion, some automobiles. People know his name, and he can't go in a restaurant, but people bother him for his autograph. Big deal. And then you die, and you're, you, you get a little cell right next to the rich man in the Lazarus story. You'd be calling out for like, hey, send somebody just dip their finger in water and come and cool my tongue. I'm, I'm tormenting these flames. You, you, that, you, you got a bad deal. That's, that's a bad deal. Deal or no deal? Say no deal. That's not a good deal. You get the whole, you get the whole universe. You can get it all. And what are you, you going to give? It says here, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How are you going to buy your way? It was a, he was a rich man. How are you going to buy your way out of that? You, you realize it's pretty sad when you want finger water? You, you get that, right? That's not, a good, that's not a happy place. What shall a man give in exchange for soul? Is this kind of stark? Is it kind of like a kind of a negative mood in there? I know, right? I, I, sometimes it's not root beer and Skittles. It's not all happy stuff. This is like really, really serious stuff. I don't know how else, and I don't want to play with it. I mean, it's the word of God. It's it's really uber important, and I want to say it the way I think God wants us to know it. This is this is a big deal. So as a Christian, what do we do? Lord, here's my life. It's not about me. It's not about my kingdom. It's not my kingdom come. It's your kingdom come. It's not about my will. It's your will. I know there's Christians who never, ever, ever let God enter into, and the things of God ever enter into a decision they're going to make. And you say, hey, what about this? Well, I don't think that I, well, you prayed about, no, I just wouldn't, I, no, I, 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 and it's the whole thing is just what I would or wouldn't do or want to do, or what makes me comfortable, or what, I, I don't know how else to say this. Give your life to Jesus Christ. You're at the poker table, take all the chips, push them all to the center, you're all in. Lord, you have every last bit of me, no reservation whatsoever. I only live to serve you, and whatever time you want to take me home, you're the Lord. Well, if I do that, you know, he's going he's gonna to make me like a, a missionary. Well, one, so. But two, you, you, if you're all worried about what God's going to do, he's not an ogre. That's Satan talking, okay? When, he, when you're all nerved up about what's going to happen if you give God your life. Any fear, is, that's all satanic, okay? He's your loving heavenly father. Say, I love my life. He loves it more. I love me. He loves you more than you love you. What shall a man give in exchange 
for his soul. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. What's that verse there for? Because this is how it looks when we don't give him our life. We become ashamed of him and of his words. I can't share with somebody about Jesus. They're going to think I'm a rube. I'm on the job site and I'm working. I'm rubbing elbows with non-believers all day long. And I like to tell them about the things of the Lord. But I look ridiculous. And I really care about looking ridiculous. As a matter of fact, it's the most important thing. My ridiculous-lookingness is more important than the will of God and more important than sharing the gospel. And I would never share the gospel. As a matter of fact, in a very real way, I'm very ashamed of... Uh, it. Okay, wait a second. You're going to believe in Jesus Christ and give him your life? And that's how you go to heaven? Yeah. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Now I feel like, oh my goodness, now I'm a rube. Uh. I think I'll modify the gospel because that's what we should do in that situation. We should make it all about you and... No, Susan's shaking her head. The rest of you should be shaking your head too, by the way. <laughs> She's more into it. Okay, we're just... That's why I always look at her because I get the feedback, all right? Inside, she's easy to look at. Anyway, that's the time, story for another time. Uh, who's ever ashamed of me and my words... We have to modify his words. We don't have to apologize for him. You don't have to blush to speak the name of Jesus Christ. I, I, I've come with a message. If you listen to my message, we're going to change your address from hell eternally to heaven eternally. I, I don't have to be embarrassed. I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to be apologetic. We don't have to be backing into any doors with hat in hand saying, oh, well, if you just do... This is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and it is glorious. Uh, he's coming back uh, with the, uh, in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Now listen, there's plenty here. I can go into taking up your cross, and I'll give you a thousand and one examples. This is, uh, most people who would teach this, they would end there and say, that's good, and they would give all to call if you want to take up your, Jesus' cross. And, but I think it's... Chapter 9 comes right on the heels of this for a reason, so I really want to get into chapter 9. Let's, let's look at it. I'm going to read just the first seven verses, okay? Chapter 9, the Gospel of Mark, verse 1, And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there shall be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up to a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here and let us make uh, three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. Okay, these two verses don't go, these two little vignettes, these two sections of scripture don't go together. Or, sh or do they? Well, they do. And I'll show you, in my thinking anyway, how they do. 
He said to them, verily, truly, verily, truly, right? Truly I say to you, there shall, be, there shall be some of them that stand here which shall not taste the death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. That's uh, Matthew chapter 16, 28, but it ends the chapter there. And I've, I've had the question, you know, people read Matthew 16, 28 and say, huh? Like there's 2,000 year old guys running around waiting for the kingdom, right? That's the thought. And, I, and how does this verse work? Well, Mark gives it to us all in the same section, and then he connects the dots for us in such a way we say, oh, I see. There are some standing here, right here, right now, okay? Well, who's he with? He's with the apostles who are not going to die till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And now the story of the transfiguration. Is the transfiguration the fulfillment of that verse? Well, of course it is. Well, of course it is. I mean, and if it's not, please explain to me what Jesus meant. But of course it's the, uh, it's the fulfillment of that. And after six days... Nobody, had anyone died in those six days? No, so uh, ostensibly not. None of the apostles, so Jesus is fulfilling his word, right? No one's going to taste the death till they see the kingdom of God come with power. He takes with him Peter, James, and John. Why them three? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The inner circle, they call them. They were the ones with him when uh, Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. They were ones with him in Gethsemane. Uh, they're uh, the ones with him when he teaches the Olivet Discourse, plus Andrew. Um, There's some things unique uh, about Peter, James, and John, and I don't know. Why just them? Why not the whole disciples, all the disciples? Well, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, may every word be established. That's what God said, so he's taken as at least three witnesses. He leads them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Let's talk about the high mountain first, probably Mount Hermon, okay? It's about almost twice as high as Katahdin. It's a non-trivial mountain. There's snow on it most of the year. And I think about, you know, them climbing up, it, not at the peak. It doesn't have to be the peak. He's just up into the mountain. But you know how it is. If you've climbed Katahdin, you're only, I don't know, if you're like me, you just <laughs> can't get past the ranger station yet, and your calves are already aching, and you're already gasping for air. You know, are their are their legs burning? Are they are they in sandals? Are they are they have? Is there snow on the top here? I mean, you you wonder about these things. You know, how how high up do they go? Now, some say it's Mount Tabor, but no, no. Uh, there was a Roman garrison on the top of Mount Tabor. No, uh, it's an exceeding high mountain, and of course. Uh, uh, Hermon would, 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 would fit the bill. It's the tallest mountain in Israel, of course. He leads them up in a high mountain. And, and by the way, this is the geography. This is the area where they were. He takes them up uh, into a high mountain, apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Metamorpho uh, is the base word, and it means metamorphosize. And it's, you know, I, I, the... the, the Illustration is given like a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. The butterfly wings don't come like down from heaven and settle on the caterpillar. It's what's in him is it becomes like out and apparent. And this is what happens. He's 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 transformed. He's metamorphosized. If if I if I could use that word, what was in him came out of him. Well, what came out of him? Glory. 
glory. The, the divinity, he, he clothed himself in humanity, which that's the miracle, if you ask me. I don't know that this is a miracle. I think this is what he would look like every day. I think this is what he looks like now. The, 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 the miracle to me is he took that glory and he put skin on it, human flesh. The DNA, the chromosomes of his father Adam. He had our genetic makeup. And he was, so he was transfigured. He was changed. He was, this metamorphosis took place. His rain, be, rain became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. Say fuller? What is a fuller? Uh, a laundryman. We don't talk about fullers anymore. Is the fuller brush guy back in the day? That had anything to do with that? I don't know. Anyway, it was so white, nobody could bleach them. I mean, they understood bleach. They understood, cl you know, clean. Nobody could. It's hard. To, if you watch one of these, uh, um, like, videos that they make on the life of Jesus, I watched one. It was probably low budget, and it was kind of cheesy. And, you know, I don't know. They use this light, you know, techniques and stuff, you know, really white clothes and stuff like this. But, no, it's way beyond that. You know, we're told in, uh, in like, uh, both Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have this. And he's, his face was shining like the sun. It was radiant to look upon. Uh, he's, he is very bright, shinier than the sun. I mean, that's bright, okay? We can't look directly at the sun. We don't, we don't have that capacity. You need sunglasses, and even then you're just, it's, no. It's, you know how it is. And there appeared unto him Elias in King James. Elijah. You know there's no J in J sound. And uh, both, both Hebrew and Greek, by the way. You say, I got a Bible J name. <laughs> Sorry, you don't really. Uh, you know, I was on Yoda, I was thinking about that. It's your name's Jacob. You mean Yaakov, you know what I mean. Well, Jesus, that's a J name. Uh, you mean Yeshua, that was, would be his name. So we know that here, okay? You don't have a, there's no Bible J so anyway, so in, in here it makes it Elias, and he's with uh, Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Why, why Moses and Elijah? I don't know. Not really, I don't. And they're talking. Now, and Luke says they ha they're, they're speaking about his exodus, and, and he makes it sound like there's a lengthy conversation going on. I view this as Jesus in a staff meeting, you know what I mean? And they're talking about his death, his exodus is the... Uh, Greek word that he's going to accomplish in Jerusalem. We don't think about death as an accomplishment, but we've got to recalibrate when we talk about, well, I think we talk about the death of Jesus Christ, but we talk about death in general. Your self, your crucifixion of self is celebratory. It's a wonderful thing. Death is good in and of itself in the sense that you're going to be in the presence of God. Because I've had people tell me, I I'll kill you. You're going to send me to be home with Jesus? Don't start me with a good time. That's all you got, really? I mean, that's not so scary. I mean, are you really scared by death? Because I can't remember the last time I really was. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm like everybody else. I don't want to be shot in the face. I don't want to be eaten by a shark. I don't want to die in a fire or some nasty way. I want to, I want to, I want to, 
I want to die of rapturitis. I mean, if you want to know the truth, but I want to, I want to be an old man full of days, and I've seen my grandkids' grandkids and dandled them on my knees, and then one time I'm like old, 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 and I say, oh, Lord, come get me. I want the angels to come and just take me up into heaven. That's what I want, okay, while I'm asleep. I mean, like everybody else. But the concept of death, it's not violent, not painful. I mean, you know, death. Be home with Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready. Somebody told me early on, always be ready to preach, pray, or die. And I kind of try to live by that, you know. I'm afraid of death. That, that's a bellwether. What's going on in my life that I'm afraid to stand before God? The, the God that I love, the Jesus, my Savior. What am I, no, that's, that's... So people die and I get a little jealous. You know what I mean? And Okay, it was their time. It's not my time. It's, it's, it's their time. Okay, fair enough. Because God can... He can take me when he wants. He can leave me as long as he wants. That's, that's his prerogative. You don't, can't worry about stuff that you have no control over. It just, it just, where am I? Oh, he's talking with Moses and Elijah about, about his death that he's going to accomplish. I think he's having a staff meeting here. Why Moses and Elijah? I don't know. I really don't know. I think they're the two witnesses. And this is my own distorted view. You can have your own weird ideas. I think they're the two witnesses of Revelation 11. The powers that those, uh, uh, those, they call the two witnesses, the powers they have are very Moses-like and very Elijah-like. Well, you're saying, now I know the verse, I know it. It is given for men to live but once, and then the judgment. So Moses had his chance, he died, he doesn't have to die again. But you've got to stand something. What you're saying is not scriptural. Lazarus died how many times? I have to believe he died twice, unless you see a 2,000-year-old man running around here. Jairus' daughter died twice. Uh, Dorcas, uh, Tabitha, and Acts must have died twice. The widow of Nain's son must have died twice. Uh, and the, uh, Hebrews 11 says that Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Now, a lot of people have him coming back and he, in um, Revelation 11 and dying. The one who should not see death. That's fine. I mean, again, you can have your own distorted views. But I think if you study it out, and most, many, many, many people think this, both Calvary Chapel pastors and not Calvary Chapel pastors, think that it's Moses and Elijah as the, as the two witnesses. But I'm not going to be dogmatic about it because I don't know. I've never lived through Revelation 11 yet, but it would be my guess. Okay? Just... Call me crazy, that's, that's how I feel. I think it was Moses and Elijah at the tomb. There were two men, it says. It doesn't say, and they say, well, those are angels, and they just, people thought they're men. It says two men, just a thought. You know, when the ascension happened, was that Moses and Elijah? It says there was two men, as they were all looking up into heaven, and say, why you, hey, you disciples, why are you looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who came, he'll come the same way. That, that, you know, and, and it says two men. Well, Adam, those were angels. Well, maybe. It just says two men, though. Just a thought, just a thought. And I'm not dogmatic here. I'm not dogmatic. But here we have Moses and Elijah, and I think it's very strange. Look at, not Abraham and David, David kind of got a stake in this. This is his grandson. Well, a couple greats in there, but it, this, is, this is the son of David. This is the son of Abraham. Does Abraham got a stake in this? But Moses 
and Elijah. The law and the prophets, if you ask me. That's the elements of the kingdom that he referred to back in the first verse. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered, is there a question on the floor? <laughs> and Peter answered. See, he, he's answering stuff that is not even a question, right? Uh, Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. That was kind of dumb. I mean, it really, I, you know, he's telling the story to Mark, and Mark's saying, you said, what? He goes, look, we were terrified. I, didn't think, I couldn't think of anything else to say. And by the way, rule of thumb, if you don't know what to say, don't say anything, right? Uh, and, and he said that, you know, he wished not what to say, for they were sore afraid. Read here, and where's the sore afraid? Read here, terrified. Would you be? I think so. God in his glory manifests his glory. That's a, that's, that's a fear of the Lord right there. I, I, I know some people talking about, like, you know, a big buddy up in the sky and stuff. Anyway, it's good for us to be here. We want to make three tabernacles. Tabernacle, interesting, interesting choice, interesting word. Is it the Feast of Tabernacles at this time? Some people think so. Because some people think, oh, let's make three shrines. You know, one for, you know, you three heavy hitters, you know, we'll all kind of, no, 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 Jesus is alone. There's no, <laughs> we don't, we worship Jesus Christ. We don't worship Moses. We don't worship Elijah. And they would know that too. I don't think it's shrines. I think he's saying tabernacles, and I think it's the Feast of Tabernacles. And I think, the way I read it, he's hoping that Jesus would say, yeah, it's a great idea, and also make three tabernacles for you guys. Because you're, you know, part of the club too. He didn't know what he was saying. Okay? And we don't put Jesus on the same footing as anybody else. Just, that's just wrong in every instance. <sighs> there was a cloud that overshadowed them. What cloud? What cloud specifically? Huh? God's glory, the, Sh the Shekinah. I believe, and God shows up, hears his voice. I think it's the glory cloud. I think it's a very specific cloud. I don't think it was cumulus, stir what, I don't even know the clouds, okay? I don't even know. There's a cloud that overshadowed him. A voice came out of the cloud. This is God interrupting Peter. <laughs> Basically tell him, hey, shut up. <laughs> Imagine that, I mean, having God audibly tell you to shut up. But he doesn't say that because God's not rude. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Stop talking. Listen to him. Adam, why are you reading this? Because I want you all in. Give him your whole life. Don't hold anything back. I, you know, I realized early on in my life, I'd say, Lord, here, you can have it all, except, and the only thing I did was outline, I wonderfully concentrated his attention on the thing I was accepting. And that was the only thing he was interested in. Always. I'll give you my life, except I don't want you to. And it was miserable way to live. No, give him your whole life. Why? Because he's the glorious one. Because he's, he's, 
look, isn't an empty promise that you're going to have eternal life. I'm, I'm God in the flesh. I, I, you, do you realize how this is going to end? The, on the other team, they, they, they trade. Satan will give people trinkets to not follow Jesus Christ. And it amazes me how little he has to give to have people follow him, either wittingly or unwittingly, forever. It amazes me. And God says, no, I got, I got the goods. I, I know how to reward. I, I'm, I'm not holding back. Uh, no, follow me. Give me your life. It's going to end up very, very good. You have to take a step of faith here. But the other way, it's miserable. This way, oh, glorious, glorious and good. It's, it's like uh, I'm God in the flesh. I, so what does it mean to follow him? What does it mean to... Take up your cross. What, is it, what does it look like? Well, it looks like death to self. We talked about that. I got another verse, too. When John, oh, I pulled my tab out. Oh, no. We'll go, I'll have to just physically turn pages here. Oh, my goodness. John, chapter 1. We shall go there. Tabernacle caught my attention. John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. We know this. this is, these are like, I, it, does these verses take your breath away? Because every time I read them, I get all goosebumpy. I mean, I really do. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus Christ, okay? I'll just, spoiler alert. This is Jesus, okay? All things were made by him. Is Jesus the creator? Of course. Colossians tells us that. Hebrews tells us that. Several Old Testament passages tell us that. And here, we're told that again. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Give me your life, because I can maintain it. You trying to save it? That might end badly. As a matter of fact, it definitely will. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. <laughs> Every one of these is a jumping off place for a whole sermon. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm taking all my wits to just keep moving, okay? And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Which is true, by the way, but it's not what it's saying. The darkness apprehended it not, or, or overpowered it not. Okay? In the end, Jesus wins. It doesn't look that way right now. It's a very dark day out there. Have you noticed this? The spirit of the Antichrist is, the zeitgeist of this whole world is Antichrist. We're in rebellion against Jesus Christ. The whole world. I was talking to my mom about this yesterday. If I want to move to a country that worshipped God, that loved God, that was like, they, they were still very much about God, where would you move? It's certainly in America, but America's just leading the, the anti-God movement. But Jesus wins. And that's very, very important. When you give him your life, you've got to stand something. He wins. Okay, let's skip a few verses. Verse 11, he came unto his own, his own received him not. Oh, isn't that true? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name.
which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Let me give you another take. This is what it says in the Greek, and the word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. You know what a tabernacle is? In the wilderness, it was a place where people met with God. It was... The word that was God was made flesh, put on human skin, Adam's genes and chromosomes, and he dwelt among us. Awesome. Is, it, is that awesome? And we beheld his glory. This is John writing his old man. He's probably in his 90s at this time. He pens this, this beloved um, gospel. We beheld his glory. Is he thinking of the Mount of Transfiguration? Well, of course he is. Of course he is. Was he thinking about it, just Jesus generally being glorious? Well, possibly. If you were in that mount that day, I would think you would have a hard time thinking about anything else. That, would, that's, that tends to change somebody forever. If you saw God's glory, I think your face would melt off, one, unless God miraculously intervened. But we see snippets, we see creation, which reflects his glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. Susan stargazes. She tells him what phase the moon's in, and this is Venus over here, and she loves that stuff. Doesn't surprise me. She loves God. She loves his creation, which reflects his glory. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What does crucifying self look like? Well, Jesus, when he put on human flesh, he was full of grace and truth. Just truth. Uh, please don't be just truth, guy. I mean, truth is wonderful. Grace and truth. Don't be just grace, guy. Grace is wonderful. You need grace and truth. You know, the Bible says speak the truth in love. I always say speak the truth in love or shut up. Just truth, you're harsh. You're just, ugh, you just, <clears throat> I don't think that's who Jesus is. You're saying he's the truth, but he's gracious. The truth is, I'm a horrible human being, and he just keeps on pounding that into my head. Every day, he get, I wake up and he says, you're horrible, you're a total waste of flesh and space, and you shouldn't even be breathing. He's not like that. He's my loving Heavenly Father. He could say that, and he would be true. I couldn't even argue. But he's not that way. He's full of grace and truth, and he speaks the truth in love. And I would say, uh, how do I know if I'm laying down my life? Well, if all my decisions are based on what he would have me do. But they would look, it would look like something. It would have this flavor. It would look like grace. I want to be the most gracious man who ever lived, accepting Jesus Christ, of course. But if I'm just gracious, it's a, like that sloppy agape. You know, you're doing raising hell, doing horrible, horrific things, and I'm like, ah! Forget about it. That's okay. No problem. It is a problem. That's not true. You're headed for a bad place. And I want, I want to love you enough to tell you, don't do like that. 
So I want to be the most gracious man who ever lived, and I want to be the most true. And I want to have death to self, and I don't want to live for me. And I would like to hold myself up as a model of just, I got this down, and you guys do well to be like me, but I don't. I'm going to be honest, just honest. Is honesty okay in church? <laughs> it's okay. I don't have this down. I'm really, really working at it. I mean, I'm really working at it. I want to I I live for me. I want to live for the Lord. I want to buy up every opportunity to advance his kingdom and tell people about it. I'm not here Sunday morning. I, people expect that. I mean, when family time. I mean work time. I mean coming and going. I don't have to have an opportunity. This is the gospel. I start in Genesis and work all the way through Revelation. We're here for like 20 days and I give you a whole. How about 20 minutes? And just how about moving everybody just a little closer, advance them a little closer. Share Bible verses, share love, demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. Truth. Graciously Okay, yeah, that's all I got. We good? Okay. Let's stand and uh, pray in our worship leader, Mrs. G, will uh, lead us out of here in, uh, in song. Lord, I, I, I covet. My heart of hearts, I want everyone who names the name of Jesus Christ to give you all our everything all the time. I don't know if I've made my case. I don't, listen, if, if I have to depend on me and my wit and wisdom to co-opt us into making the right choices, then we're all, we're all sunk. But Father, by your Holy Spirit, may you move among us on our hearts in such a way that we understand what it is to commit all of our life to you and hold on nothing at all for us and lord that's the only way and your word says you know we try to hang on to our life but we'll end up losing it but we can lose our life in you and always have it lord and just help us to to see these verses for what they are to make the choices that glorify you we ask it in jesus name now may the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.